0: fish fry is right after the second service so if this is your first time here with us every year we have a halibut fish fry um, this weekend of the year at uh, right after the service So i want to encourage you to come upstairs and and uh, be a part of that and then also um, this week and next week you probably already heard but we're doing deacon nominations so this is is really important. Um, you'll nominate two people, so two men, to serve as deacons, and this is a, a biblical place of service within the local church, and so as, as we do that, that's actually ends up kind of where we are in First Peter today is talking about elders and, and what that looks like. So um, we are if you talk about our church, you know, kind of how how does College Heights work, or what does it look like, or how are decisions made, or what, you know, who's in charge, or any number of questions people might ask about that. Basically, if you come down, we're an autonomous church. Autonomous means that there is no ecclesiastical body, there's no denominational thing over us that, that calls the shots here in other words it means that we as a church body we pray we seek God we stand on his word and and we seek to to know where God would have us go in this local um, area so we're self-governed and Jesus is the head of the church and the Bible is our final authority so as we come in, we stand firm on the word of God. Jesus is the head. He is above all things. And, and we're also congregational in, in the fact that we vote. There are a few things that we would vote on. Everybody who's a member of the church, if something was, ha- some of these things would happen. For instance, if something were to happen to me and I were no longer here, you would vote on calling a senior pastor. So a senior pastor, if, if um, one day when I'm no longer here, the, um, the leadership team will put together a team that will um, bring can, a candidate in, and then they will come before the church, and the church will spend some time with them, and then vote for you know whether he will be the the person to serve in the church, and that that 's a huge responsibility. It means that everybody in the church has to seek God, seek his face and and, and pray and, and look to where does God want us to go, who is God bringing here to be? We vote on an annual budget every year we 're in the process of putting that together. Um, and as we bring that, the church votes on that as to whether we approve it or disprove it. Um, we would vote on incurring debt. If we were to borrow money, which we're debt free, and and you know we're not looking to borrow anything anytime soon, but if if we were, according to our constitution and bylaws, that would require a vote of the congregation. As well as if we decided to sell all the property, we would have to vote on that. So there are some things there that are important that that come in, and everybody in the church is a part of that. The day-to-day leadership stuff, just different things that happen in and out um, once the budget is settled and so forth and and making purchases or or direction or or so forth, that falls on the pastors with the deacons providing accountability. So the deacons and and the pastors and the deacons, that the pastors will be Roy and myself. Um, Greg was obviously he's gone. He left a couple of weeks ago. But, um, but that's the leadership team, and they provide accountability. So it's commonly referred to, if you talk to him, you go, man, he's like really geeking out today on some stuff. But, uh, but it's important to know, you know, it's important to know what, what it all, how it all works, because sometimes people say, how, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, th- these are the ways that it works. And the Constitution and bylaws of our church spell that out, but... Um, <clears throat> But it's commonly referred to the model as is staff-led, elder-protected, which means your pastors typically lead and, and, and come in and, and pray and, and bring direction, and, and then these these deacons, they come in alongside us, and, and they provide accountability and, and look at, you know, where are we going, how are things going, and so forth. Practically speaking, you know, getting well, all that, so what does it all mean? In other words, you know, what, what does it mean? It, it means that even after 25 years, I don't make decisions on matters of importance without getting input and approval, which is really good. And, and the reason we moved to this was I don't know seven or eight years ago when when we um, changed our constitution and bylaws. Basically, I'd been here so long that pretty much people said, "Well, let's let's go ask Scott, you know," and, and it's something like, well I'll ask Scott. You say, well, hold on. I I don't want to be the final authority on everything. I, I don't think it's it's a um, not that I don't trust myself. I mean, I think I'm a great guy, but you know, but uh, but um, but really, it's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to put anyone to put them in that place where they are mm-hmm. the voice on everything, and and to to give a pastor that that type of of control. It's just not healthy. You you need to have some men around him who will hold him accountable, who will pray with him, who will be a part of that. So that's that's um <clears throat> That's the way that it works. So we did that so that I wouldn't make, you know, decisions just randomly. And I don't really want to make all the decisions. I don't think that's healthy either. So it comes in and we have a leadership team. So we come together and and just as the scriptures say that it's it's important to gain godly counsel when you make decisions, that's the way it works. So that's where it it comes in. So that's the leadership team, and that's made up of the pastors and deacons and, and the standard for serving as a pastor or an elder deacon, they're all the same. The standard's the same. So, you know, a lot of times people say, well, pastors, you know, they have a little, they're they're supposed to be this, but, you know, everybody else can be over here. Actually, if you come in and you look at these, these standards that God has placed in the scriptures, they apply to everybody in the room. Every single one of us. it it, um god doesn't have different standards for different people he has a standard for all of us and that standard is to be holy and blameless in his sight that we are to strive to be like jesus every single day that we are to live ethical lives holy and and righteous lives before god that we are to seek him with all of our heart soul mind and strength so it's it's uh it's a picture that comes in but but Paul lays out when he speaks to Titus. He says, this is why I left you in Crete in Titus 1, 5 through 9. He said, this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Paul, as he left, in all these churches that he started, he said, look, you need to appoint elders in, in each town. You need to appoint people, godly leaders in each of these churches. If anyone is above reproach, so here's the requirements, if he's above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer is God's steward, must be above a reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of Good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may not be able to get so that he may be able to give instruction and in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So basically he, he comes in, and he says, You know, this is to be a person who has a good reputation. He is a faithful husband. He is a a good father and he has managed his family well and he is a good steward. He handles the things of God well. He's not arrogant. He doesn't have a hot head. He is not a drunkard or mean, violent. He's not trying to... uh, Build a monetary empire above all else at all costs. Um, he gives freely. He's generous. He gives to the church. He is faithful with what God has given to him. He is hospitable to people. He loves what is good. He controls himself and and so forth. So and, and most importantly, he holds firm to the trustworthy God, Word of God as taught, so that he may be able to instruct others. So that's what it looks like, and, and that's how we're structured as a church when we come in. So when you nominate two men to serve as deacons, because we'll have two slots that are they're coming over, every year we have, we have six, and two rotate off every, every uh, third year. You serve for a term of three years, and then you have to rotate off for one year. So it's not the same people over and over and over again. So we, we have a, a change coming within that. So we have two slots that are open, and it's in our Constitution and bylaws that, that we approved several years ago to function as this way. Um, most importantly, it's biblical and it also protects all of us from veering off of the purpose that that God has given us as a church established in Scripture. So Peter addressed it in this passage, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, and it prepares a church that's that's facing difficult times as, as you come back and you come back into the time that Peter wrote this to this group of people they were they were facing persecution facing difficult circumstances and they they had a lot of things coming at them and and he did this so that they would be in unity so they'd be in oneness and I think that's really important for us today in in our current situation as as a nation as as a community and everything that's going on in our world I think it's highly important that as a church that we're on the same page that we are united in where God is taking us and what our purpose is and and I'll just lay that out really clear our purpose is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ to help them to grow in their faith and to multiply them as as believers so that they can go out and do the same thing. I mean, really, it boils down to a very, very simple thing, and that's the purpose of the church. Whenever we add anything into that or take anything out of that, we are going off the path. So God has called us here for a very specific reason, and that is to make his name known and to bring those who come into the faith as they come in there to help them to grow in their faith so that they, in turn, can do the same thing with others. So Peter, as we come in, he begins to prepare this church to be unified and to stand firm in their faith. And he gives three commands to those who will serve as elders. So he gives three, there are three things that, that I want to uh, place here. And so as he comes in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5, he says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the first thing, he comes in and he says that you're to shepherd, in verse 2 he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So we are to serve, he calls a deacon to serve or or an elder to serve as a shepherd, to serve as a shepherd. Now, if we come in, if we come in, in in verse 6, he's going to talk about the chief shepherd who is Jesus when he appears. Um, He'll say that we'll receive an unyielding crown of glory. But as we come in and we look at the shepherd image in scripture, the shepherd image, it's a familiar one. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is called the good shepherd. The shepherd goes out and cares for the flock or over in Isaiah. He calls the, the religious leaders of the day worthless shepherds who have basically fleeced the flock and haven't cared for them. He has, they haven't gone out and bound up their wounds or treated them or nurtured them or cared for them. Instead, just took from them. So he says, serve as a shepherd, a good shepherd, exercising oversight or being an overseer, one who looks over. And and that's this word of, of elder. It's, it's used a couple of different ways. One is an overseer, another one is a presbyter. Um, both of those words are interchangeably translated out in the Scriptures as an elder. So it's, it's one who cares for and nurtures the flock. This is what it is. These are people who are to care for and nurture the flock. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30, says, "...pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock." Paul wrote, and he said, "...in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers," this word of of overseer or elder, "...to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples." After them, so Paul he said as overseer. So you got these two different words: episcopos and presbyter, and they're both used interchangeably as elder, translated out in the scripture. But um, as as we come in there, episcopos means literally to look over, to to watch, and and he comes in and he's saying that this flock belongs to God this church belongs to God. This is the people of God. They are there for his purposes. They are there for him. They are there to know him, to grow in him, to make him known. And the church is for God's glory, not our own. And it's not for the good of the shepherd, but instead it is for the kingdom of God. So he comes in, he says, first of all, an elder is to serve as a shepherd. He is one who cares for and nurtures the flock, that as you come in here and you select men to serve in this role, as you select them, you're to understand that these are people who are caring for others. These are people who are nurturing and, and protecting the flock, that they, as they come in, their goal and their primary reason is to honor God and to make sure that His church is cared for. And that his church is on the right track. And then the next thing he says um, after exercising oversight is not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, so that you are to serve as a shepherd, you are to serve willingly. He comes out and he says, you know what, this is something to do willingly. It's not coming in and the church is in in a really hard way and you're saying, you know what, I just have to do this. I just have to do it. He said, you know, that's not where you come in and serve in this. You don't serve because, well, I have to do it because somebody does, or it has to happen, or I don't really want to, but I guess I will. You know, he says, really, willingly. This is a great honor. This is something that people have called you to. This is something that as people look to you, they see that these are qualities in you that are evident, and they say, you know what, this is a person... I trust to shepherd me. This is a person I trust to make decisions on my behalf. This is a person I trust to care for me, to nurture me, to be there for me. This is a person that I see as being faithful and and right. And so we serve out of love, not obligation. I mean, you know, the other side of the coin is that, I mean, think of it in this terms. If if you're married, you, you don't marry your spouse out of obligation, right? I mean, you don't do things for them out of obligation, right? You, you, I mean, you don't come in and say, hey, um, honey, I, I'm going to take you out tonight because I owe it to you. You know, or I'm, I'm going to take you out because um, I know that I'm supposed to do that. Um, you know, I, 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 it's not that I want to. I just have to. See how far that gets you. Not very. You know, you just blew the whole thing. You know, with one little sentence, it's because I'm under obligation. No, it says, you know what, we do this willingly. This is an act of love. This is something that we come to out of love, not obligation. Um, one, one example of this would be Paul in Philemon. When Paul spoke to Philemon, he says, I'm not going to order you to do this. I'm not going to order you to set Philemon free. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, Onesimus free. I'm not going to order you to do that, even though I could because you owe me. No, 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 no. That, that's, not, that's not the way it works. I want you to do it out of love. He, he says it in Philemon 14. He says, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. He said, I don't want to force you to do something. I want you to do it out of love. I want you to do it out of your own accord. Not because you're being <clears throat> forced to. So serving as a deacon in our church, it requires commitment. It requires a willing commitment to do this. And, and these men serve others and they give freely of their time. It's it's a greater thing. It's it's a much greater thing. You know, a lot of people think you know, well, the deacons, you know, they, they run the church or whatever. And look, I grew up in Baptist churches. Okay, I've seen I've seen all kinds of stuff, and and um, you know, unfortunately, if I go back through a lifetime. I can see that there were a lot of men who served, um, and I'm not talking about here, but I'm talking about as a kid growing up, seeing that man. You know, sometimes even as a young person, you look and go, "I'm supposed to follow this guy?". I mean, this isn't this isn't a healthy situation. This is just a you know thing where I want to be in control, or. Something along that line, you see, in, in being a deacon in a healthy deacon body in a healthy church, it's a commitment to serve. It's, it's not a body of people that come together to control things or to make sure that the pastor is, is doing what they want or that... Um, the church does this or that or the other, but instead they come in and say, you know, where does God want us to go? What is God calling us to do? How do I care for people? How do I grow in my faith? How do I do this in such a way that I bring honor to God? It's a commitment to serve and to nurture others. It's not something to enter into without counting the cost. In First Peter 4.10, Peter said um, earlier in, in the book of 1 Peter, he says, in, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. He says, look, God has gifted you. He's given you abilities. He He has brought you to a level of maturity. He's saying, use it, use it, use it to the glory of God. Use it as a good steward of the grace of the multifaceted grace of God. So serving God's church, it's a great honor. It is a great honor That's not done out of obligation, but willingly from the heart. And then the next thing he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not not so that I can get something out of it, but I'm eagerly. Doing this, the flock going back to verse two. The flock is the is um, of God. It belongs to God. It's not not for our benefit. It's for God's benefit, and and we see this throughout the New Testament. We see where people come in and they begin to use the gospel for gain, for personal gain, for for monetary gain, or for status or or whatever. and and, and, and we see that as that's not correct it's not right the role of an elder is to serve out of a desire to please God and build up the kingdom of God not for personal gain so he says not for shameful gain but eagerly we are to serve eagerly those who seek leadership positions for their own personal gain are warned this is a great reminder for for all leaders not just elders I mean really it doesn't really matter where you're leading. If you're leading in your business, if you're leading in, <clears throat> in your organization, whatever organization you're in or whatever, leadership for personal gain or greed, that's not leadership. That's not It's not at all. That is manipulation. That's working people so that you can get from them without giving anything in return. So Peter tells us, he said, you know, it's not for shameful gain. You don't do this for that. You do it eagerly because you desire to serve God. And, And unfortunately, we see this not only in secular institutions. We see this also sometimes in religious settings, in church settings. We see where in faith institutions people have used their their place of authority, their place of leadership for selfish gain rather than to serve God. In Psalm 100 verse 2, the psalmist wrote, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. And I think this is where Peter was leading with this. He's saying, you know, we serve with gladness. We come before him with the song in our heart of praise, and we eagerly serve, and we do it with joy and gladness. It's, it's not a position to pad a resume. It's not a position to say, I've done that, or I've been here. It's not a position to achieve an agenda to come in and say, you know what, I just want to see some changes made, so I'll do it long enough to do that. No, it's, it's a position where we come in and we serve and we eagerly shepherd the people of God to build them up and to reach those who don't know Jesus with the gospel. I mean, ultimately, that's what he's placed us here for. He has placed us here to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to remind us that We live in a community where we're surrounded by people who have not experienced the hope of the gospel. They have not experienced Jesus. They have not come into a faith relationship with him. They have not given their lives to him. And we believe firmly that apart from Christ, we're destined to eternal condemnation. Call it hell. I mean, that, that's, you know, wow, man, he's getting into hellfire, brimstone, all this good stuff. But, um, but, you know, really, ultimately, that is the bottom line. The bottom line is is that life, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we truly hold to that message, if we truly hold to the scriptures if we truly hold to the Word of God, and, and we come in here and we look at... <clears throat> Serving willingly, serving eagerly, serving as shepherds and serving humbly as as we come into that. Why do we do it? Because we understand that apart from Christ, all of us are doomed and that we want to make him known to all of the people around us. So he comes in and he says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock not domineering over those in your charge but being examples for the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourselves all of you with humility toward one another for god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble so the final thing he says is serve humbly be humble Be humble as you serve. Do this with humility. Do this in such a way that you mentor others as they watch you. As we live out our lives, as as we look at the people who you would call to serve, as you would choose to serve or nominate to serve in this position, as you pray about that and you think about that, and, and another thing to look at is, are they humble? Are they living a life that is an example for others to see so that they would want to follow them? <clears throat> doing it in such a way that you mentor others as they watch you. It's not a position of domination over others. It's not a political thing where we seek to win at all costs. It's serving humbly. <clears throat> it's the shepherd who puts the flock ahead of his own interests. He's setting an example for, who, for those who he's leading. And, and the common picture that, that we see in the Bible is that the people follow leader you see the people followed moses they followed jesus you don't see these these leaders driving people you see them living an example of being faithful before god and they followed him <clears throat> in james four ten, james put it this way humble yourselves before the lord and he will exalt you proverbs eleven two says when pride comes then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom psalm eighteen twenty seven for you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. you see the reward is is huge, and, and this this would go to everybody in the room as we live out these qualities in our lives, but as we come in and, and talk about serving god 's people it 's not something that fades away or loses its value over time. he says you 'll receive an unfading crown of glory and it's it's imperishable it's a trophy unlike the trophies of this world that end up on the scrap heap I mean I've I've won a few trophies in my life okay I'll just just brag a little bit all right I've won a few you know as a matter of fact every year I play baseball we won first place first place every year and we got a trophy we got trophies. They had little marble bases and a little marble top and a little gold thing in the middle that wasn't really gold and a little guy on top with a bat. And, <clears throat> and I won some tournaments in, in high school and stuff. And, and uh, you know, they gave us trophies. I have no idea where those stupid things are. Could care less. You know why? They don't mean anything. It's a big deal. And, and by the way, when I was a kid, you only got a trophy if you won. Just saying, just saying. They had a little more luster. You didn't get one just for playing. Only one person got the trophy, or one team got the trophy. That's the way it worked. But you know what happened to all those trophies? They all disappeared. They got thrown away. They're on the scrap heap. They got recycled for some other kid. And those poor people who are still hanging on to him 50, 60 years later, that's just bad, right? It's like, yeah, you won in Little League, so what? (laughs) Really, Big deal. That's why in 25 years I've never told you that. It just doesn't matter. I was a star right fielder. You know what the right fielder does? That's where I started off. You know how you play right field, right? Nobody hits there. Look, little kids can't put the ball into right field, and little kids who can't catch play right field. <laughs> and Then, when you learn to catch, they bring you in. So, anyway, um, <clears throat> you know th- that's what happens. But we're called to humble servanthood, and, and here's what here's what the scriptures tell us: when we live out this stuff in our lives, all of us it's not just we're not just talking about for. A person to serve as an elder or a deacon in the church on the leadership team. We're not just talking about that. We're talking about everybody. Look, the standard that God has given to us, it's the same for all of us. It really is. He doesn't have a standard for me and a standard for the people who are in the church. He has one standard, and he seeks a, he, he calls us to do this and what he says is when we do this we'll get an imperishable crown back in their days that instead of trophies you know they'd, they'd take olive leaves and stuff and they'd make this crown and you'd win the race or whatever and you get this crown this crown of glory and what what peter said was you know what the leaves crumble away pretty quick But he said, when you invest in the kingdom of God, when you pour yourself into that, when you dive into that, he said, he's going to give you an imperishable crown. He's going to give you what cannot be taken away. He says, we're called to humble servanthood. We have to get over ourselves and invest everything into the kingdom of God Humility will grease the skids and make everything else run smoothly. That's what it is. When when we humble ourselves, it makes everything run smoothly smoothly. It stills the waters. It's when we understand that we're all sinners, everybody in the room, every single one of us. We're all in desperate need of the grace of God. We're all in desperate need to, to have a word from God, to grow in our faith. We're all sinners and imperfect human beings.
1: <clears throat>
0: and when we understand this and we know it, we become less offended by other people and prone to extend grace and forgiveness really is. When, <clears throat> when we get all jacked up and think, you know, I just don't understand why, why, why he doesn't get it or she doesn't get it or, or they're just so whatever. That's not humility. That's just saying, you know what, I've arrived. Instead, when we come in and we look at it and say, you know what, I know that I haven't arrived yet and I know that I have needs in my life, and I know that there are people on the same journey that I'm on. Some are ahead of me, and some are behind me, and the people who are behind me, I want to be an example to them, and I want to come along beside them, and I want to help them to grow, and I want to help them to understand God's plans and purposes for their lives, and I want to help them navigate that, to understand his grace, to understand the cost of sin, to understand what The glory of God is and and the imperishable crown that he wants to give to us and I want them to experience all of that and I want them to know that God gives all of us grace and forgiveness and we all need it we're all in the same boat there because pride puffs us up and makes us think more of ourselves and our ideas than we should but humility enables us to understand that we're all in need of God's grace and forgiveness so this is where he wraps it up and he said look Be humble. You who are younger, and and in this regard, he could literally be talking to people who probably, he probably was talking to people who were younger age-wise. He said, look, those who have have gone before you and they're serving right and they're living this stuff out in their lives, humble yourselves to them because they have something to teach you. They have something to give to you. And, And then... We understand that none of us have arrived, but we're closer today than we were yesterday. We're closer to the destination, and that's the Christian life. It doesn't matter where you are in in your Christian walk. It's not how far I've gone. It's that I'm going. It's that I'm taking a step forward each day, that each day I'm getting closer to Christ. Each day I'm growing in my faith. Each day I'm learning more about the Word of God. Each day I'm spending time in God's Word. Each day I'm letting Him speak to my heart. Each day I'm letting Him show me things in my life that He wants to build up, things that He wants to change, things that He wants to remove, things that He knows that ultimately will make me everything that he has called and created me to be that, he, that will bless and encourage me. And so as we come into it and look at it, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And In other words, he says, you know what? Just, just understand this. In the church, we're all rowing the same boat. We're all rowing the same boat. We're all going to the same destination. And if we forget that, It just gets all messed up. But if we keep that in there and we understand we are going to be committed to personal growth because we know the depth of our need. Look, every single one of us has a deep need to grow spiritually. Every one of us. I've I've been a Christian for most of my life. And I've been a pastor for half of it. And <clears throat> the thing that, that um, really sticks out to me is how little I know. It's how little I know. And, and when I come in to the Word of God, and, and I read in the Word of God, and, and, and I read it over and over, every year I read through it. And every time I read through it, I learn stuff, and I think, man, I've read this book, you know, 30 plus times. I've read in the New Testament for over 100 times. And every time I go through it, I pick stuff out that, that I haven't seen before, or I don't know, or I don't understand. And, and, and I say that to challenge you and encourage you to understand the Word of God and the things of God and spiritual growth. It's a lifelong journey. Look, the folks in here who are in their 80s, they'll tell you that. They'll just tell you, they'll say, you know what, I'm still learning about God. I'm still learning things from His Word. I'm still gaining wisdom from the things that I see around me. And and it could be from people who are really young as they see them do things. It could be from people who are ahead of them in age, who have spent more time in it, or people who've studied it more, or or whatever it might be. But but the truth of the matter is, we all, we all need to understand that we stand on the same ground before God. And that's Jesus. Jesus, that's where we are. So I want to encourage you as you come in to look and say, you know what? How do I stack up to these qualities we've looked at today? You know, do I serve willingly? Do I serve eagerly? Do I serve with humility? Do I serve the, the way that God has called me to as a shepherd to other people, to care for them, to love them, to nurture them? Is that something that I aspire to? Because I, I think that um, if you go over, Paul, he's spoke in Timothy, I think it was where he said, if any of you aspires to be an elder, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's just a good aspiration to have. It's a good to aspire to have these qualities in one's life. So I want to encourage you to do that and to pray and say, God, you know what? This is, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to happen in my life. Let's pray. Father, we <clears throat> come before you today and, and thank you. And most of all, we we come before you with a depth of gratitude for the grace that you've given to us, for the faith that you've enabled us to have. Father, for the hope that we have in Jesus. Father, we praise you because of the opportunity that we have to follow you, to know you, to experience you. Father, we thank you as a church family for the unity that you've given to us. I thank you for the men you've called out to serve here in this church over the years and the blessing that they've been to me. And Father, I pray that as we move into a new year here, that you will lead us to call out godly men to serve and to lead here within our congregation. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as, as we sing? Right. well um <clears throat> fish fry will be after the second service look forward to seeing everybody there let's close now in word of prayer larry would you leave us